Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hello, my name is Nigel. That's Hammer over there with a special guest on the hotline. Rick Snyder is the president of the Fraternal Order of Police, Lodge 86. Um, We were talking about the shortage of IMPD officers here. And why is it that IMPD is so short, over 300 officers short, but some of these donut counties, and I referenced Beach Grove earlier, they're fully staffed. And you've got other surrounding departments they might not be fully staffed, but they're doing a heck of a lot better than IMPD. Why is that? Well, big thing is those agencies are competing now. You know, it used to be that IMPD was the big dog on the block. Uh, we had the highest paid officers um, and some of the best opportunities in the profession. And many of these other surrounding agencies have started to compete. They've raised their starting salaries, but also their ongoing salaries. And they've also focused on things to retain their officers, such as excellent equipment And the biggest thing is strong support from their community. Listen, guys, nationwide officers, over half of our active officers are saying that they fear uh, being fired from their jobs for simply doing their job. And uh, six out of every 10 officers have serious concerns about being criminally prosecuted or civilly sued for doing their job. I think a big thing that we hear from officers when they leave our agency to go to another county, another department, Uh, One of the salient points that's consistent in all those is they don't have this prosecutor. And, um, you know, officers are big on accountability when uh, somebody has made a mistake of the heart and they've intentionally done wrong. Uh, But these are officers that are fearful for uh, being criminally prosecuted and or persecuted uh, for actually doing their job and doing it correctly. So those are some of the big differences that we see. Is there any sort of recruiting push that can be done to salvage what's happening with IMPD right now? Because 300 plus officers short sounds like a big number. And I don't know how many billboards or commercials can fix that. Well, it's really not about recruitment at this stage. And this is what we've been making clear to the mayor and to the new chief of police. We have got to pivot and place a strong emphasis on the retention of the officers that we have. Listen, we're 350 officers short. We're getting ready to go dip below 1,500 officers on the IMPD. Our new chief of police, uh, Chris Bailey, he has made clear that their estimates show that we will dip below 1,500 by next month in March. And that when that occurs it will automatically trigger reduction in services that have to occur to the, for the citizens just so that we can simply maintain the proper staffing for emergency calls and responsiveness. Uh, this is something that we're seeing across the nation in terms of officer shortages. But let's face it, it's after four years of this designated war on cops that we've seen across our nation, especially in major cities. And Indianapolis is no different. The, the, the challenge here, though, is we have a significant reduction that we have seen because of the officers leaving to go to other agencies, and we cannot outpace our attrition. We're losing more officers than we can hire. So now the, the we have a mayor that's been reelected. We have a new chief of police. They have the opportunity to make a pivot here and to strongly take decisive steps to uh, incentivize officers to stay here. They're going to have to compete with these other agencies. They're undoubtedly going to have to significantly raise pay, but they're also going to have to take uh, a focus on those intangibles, such as good, strong equipment and good, strong support 
for doing their job. So, Rick, make your pitch right now. If there's somebody listening that, say, is wanting to get into law enforcement and they have several different places they can apply, why should they apply for IMPD? Well, IMPD does offer the most uh, opportunities for advancement and also specialization in law enforcement. We also have some huge feathers in our cap, such as we're the leading agency that focuses on officer wellness. We are cutting edge on that and have set the example for the rest of the nation. We're also a leading edge on things like the IMPD Leadership Academy, where we're known throughout the country for a strong emphasis on leadership development and career opportunities, career development. But the challenge becomes when you remain such uh, short-staffed on your agency, it limits the number of opportunities to move so that if we can retain the officers that we have with a strong new contract, competitive pay, competitive equipment, and incentives, we will then start to retain our or recruit new officers. That's what we've said to the mayor is focus on retainment first and recruitment will follow. And we're confident that'll be the case. Rick, how long have you been in law enforcement and why did you decide? Do you remember the moment you decided to be a law enforcement uh, being law yeah, uh, 28 years. Wow. And, um, you know, uh, I, like many officers, when you ask officers why they do what they do, many of them will usually shrug their shoulders, raise their hands and tell you they can't really explain it. They'll just tell you that they were they felt called to this profession. Hmm. What I've been saying to officers around this nation, especially as our chaplain from the National Fraternal Order of Police, is it's imperative that we take a moment, push pause and reflect upon who it is that does the calling. And when you see that uh, you were called by your creator to stand this line, he's the one that said, blessed are the peacemakers. It really stills you in his truth to be able to withstand these storms. And that's what we're seeing across the nation is officers turning back to faith and also turning back to a focus on why it is they do what they do. And just as importantly, who it is they're doing it for. Rick Snyder is our guest. He is the FOP President Lodge 86. Rick, I want to get your thoughts on a couple high-profile trials that involved police officers. Uh, we were on the air Friday when the decision came in for Elias Dorsey. This was the guy that was accused and ultimately convicted of killing IMPD officer Breanne Leith. I saw the statement from the new IMPD chief, Chris Bailey, seemed like he wasn't real happy that a murder charge was not put on Elias Dorsey. He did um, get convicted of a number of different things, but was found mentally ill. Murder was basically brought down to a lesser charge reckless homicide I think. yeah reckless yeah. homicide i believe and i want to get your thoughts well obviously we're disappointed as well we all knew that that was a possibility uh any jury has the opportunity to find guilty on lesser and included offenses uh we knew that there were going to be some challenges especially when the decision was made to remove the death penalty off the table and even entertain this discussion about a possible insanity defense remember that was raised by the defense so anytime that occurs you really have to change gears and then place a strong focus on a straight up or down guilty uh, decision or at a minimum guilty but mentally ill. And that's what occurred. Now, a lot of people get confused by that. They think, well, that means that there won't be any accountability. That's not correct. Uh, he'll face the same opportunity for prison uh, as anyone else found guilty for these crimes. The difference is, is that he was found mentally ill but still responsible. And so now our shift in focus goes toward the sentencing and uh, what Judge Mark Stoner is going to do on that front. That will be our focus. We're expecting uh, the judge to ensure full accountability uh, for the crimes that have been committed and that he has been convicted of. And, uh, you know, we continue to stand by the Lee family. They've been a testament to faith. They've uh, 
started and ended every day of those eight days of trial with prayer, faith in God, and uh, also faith that justice will be done. So we're going to stand upon that with them and uh, look forward to seeing what that outcome is going to be. And also recently wrapping up was the trial of the guy that was accused of shooting Officer Tommy Mangan in the throat. Now, what was wild about this, and I believe I texted you that, that night that it took place, Rick, the shooter represented himself in court. So we had this amazing moment in the courtroom, something out of a movie, where Officer Mangan, who still has a hard time speaking, is up there on the stand, and he's being cross-examined by the guy that shot him. And he has to look at this guy in the face. I can't imagine what was going through his mind at that point, Rick. I thought that was just an amazing moment. Well, I had the privilege to be able to be there and witness it myself in person. Uh, It's a testament to courage. You want to know what courage looks like, take a good look at that. You know, here's the deal with Officer Mangan. You, you know, sometimes we lose sight of this, but he was only four weeks out of the academy when he was shot. He was in his first rotation of training with his field training officer, Officer Dan Majors, uh, when this uh, tragic incident occurred. Uh, Tommy was shot in the throat. The worst, the most that he fell was to one knee and jumped back up. Uh, he fought through it. He fought through and fought for his recovery and survival. And then he, he sat on this witness stand. Think, keep this in mind, guys. This was the first criminal case Officer Mangan had ever sat on as a police officer, and it was the one in which he was shot. And so uh, he did that with courage. He did it with boldness, but he also showed the honorable nature of our profession, that we have women and men like him around us all the time. Uh, The greatest, most poignant moment I saw was when the jury came back and uh, we were waiting for them to announce their decision was Officer Tommy Mangan with his bride on one side holding her hand and his field training officer, Dan Majors, on the other side holding his hand. Uh, FTO Dan Majors has been a remarkable example of what our officers do, especially our FTOs, and he has stood by his training off, his trainee officer every step of the way. And it's just a testament to courage and uh, what these women and men are made of that uh, we get the privilege to walk amongst and who serve our city. That's why I get so frustrated when people paint with such a broad brush and condemn all of our officers uh, when they're trying to speak to one single incident. Uh, It's beyond not fair. It's also not logical. And it also is a disservice to the heroes that uh, serve our community. So we continue to stand for them. Uh, We had a third trial uh, last week as well that was uh, a guilty charge on uh, another criminal suspect on an attempt murder of two other police officers. So if you think about that in the span of one week, we had three trials going on, all of which were either attempting to shoot an officer, shooting an officer, and also, unfortunately, killing an officer. And uh, we stood the line for all of that. So without a doubt, there is a war on cops. We're having an officer shot every 23 hours in this nation. Uh, but our, our women and men in law enforcement continue to suit up and show up every day. And that is why uh, we owe them uh, the support that they need and also the incentives to keep doing this job. Well, Rick, I'm sure those families appreciate you and your officers and your team uh, attending these trials and giving support to the families. That kind of stuff goes a long way. And on behalf of our audience, as always, tell your officers, be safe, and we've got their back. It's what the FOP is about, guys. Thank you, and God bless. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.